Welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. I'm Mark Betancourt. Africa has a lot going for it. It's rich in resources the rest of the world wants, oil, gold, precious minerals, and coveted agricultural products like cocoa. It's also one of the youngest regions in the world. In many parts of Africa, more than half of the population is under 15, which means a huge potential labor force in the coming decades. Over the last 20 years, African economies have seen substantial growth, stirring a lot of optimism that the region is finally coming into its own. Bartholomew Arma of the UN's Economic Commission for Africa participated in a seminar at the IMF World Bank Spring Meetings on Africa's Rise. He explained why not everyone has benefited from Africa's recent boom. Growth has averaged about um, 5% over the last decade. It's been um, driven by the oil exporting countries that account for about 24% of that growth process. And it's also uh, driven by sectors that uh, produce raw materials. These sectors create few jobs. And so basically what you have is islands of production that are not linked with the rest of the economy. So the people that participate in this growth process are few and far between. To keep the status quo is basically to invite trouble because you have a, a continent that is has a high proportion of youth. And when you have youth that are unemployed, you're creating a fertile ground for social unrest. What you're saying is that by by basically employing people, um, you can end up heading off conflict. You can head off social unrest, which in turn is, a very, is an incredibly destabilizing factor economically. Absolutely. And also, creating jobs for people allows you to take advantage or exploit your what you call the demographic dividend. You know, when you have these large groups of uh, po- population that is in the working age population, if they're well-trained they can then contribute to your economic development. And countries have exploited this to, to in their development uh, trajectory. Africa's case, this bulge, this youth bulge, may be a threat as opposed to a benefit, depending on how we actually harness that resource. So what form does that harnessing take? Uh, what what And by, by which I mean, what role can the government sort of actively take in, in changing that situation? First of all, agricultural productivity is important. In the agricultural sector, it depends on a lot on rain-fed agri- um, the rains. Uh, storage facilities are limited. Um, in the absence of the private sector moving in, governments can be part of that process of, of providing those services. Also, land, access to land, you know, having titles to land is a big issue in Africa. Governments need to make that easier to access. You may have land, you may buy a piece of land, but then you you find that uh, there are multiple owners. So that process needs to be streamlined. The process of actually starting a business, the the steps the, that one has to go through, those kinds of bottlenecks are things that governments can eliminate by streamlining those procedures. Providing uh, public goods, transportation, logistics, infrastructure, energy, you know, those are the kinds of investments that governments should make. They're not specific to an individual, but they are broad-based and create an enabling environment and actually reduce the cost of doing business. And that's what we're talking about. These these policy measures that you're suggesting for, for governments to, to try to make some of these changes to the way that the economy is structured takes revenue. It just takes resources for the government. Um, where do you suggest that comes from? A lot of these countries don't have a lot in the way of revenue. Well, actually... 
they do, in the sense that they do have the natural resources that they were exporting, but also governments are also selling forward their natural resources. In other words, they say, well, I have oil. Give me a certain amount of money now in exchange for those resources. If you look at the average royalties paid to African countries, it's between 3 and 5%, which means that about 90 to 95% is, is really gone. I think that there's more scope to improve those kinds of uh, arrangements. So negotiating better. I guess it's not always a question of negotiating skills. You need an active civil society to really be part of this negotiation so that they can question and ensure that the individual rent-seeking behavior does not override the, 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 the global good or the regional good or the national interest. So you mean more sort of accountability, basically? Well, basically, it boils down to governments creating the space and the opportunities for the private sector, the local private sector, and the citizens to really be empowered. So government's role is an, an empowering one. Now, of course, there, there are some underlying assumptions about that, that government does want to empower its people, uh, which may not necessarily be the case. But then, uh, you know, that, that is, I think, the challenge of Africa. I mean, how do you get governments to do the right thing? And, um, you know, coup d'etats have been, <laughs> have been the result of some of these inac- inactions or uh, missteps by government. I think it's an evolu- evolution. It's going to happen maybe gradually, but there is no, you know, magic one uh, solution to it. It's an an evolution. And that was Bartholomew Arma, Senior Regional Advisor with the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa, with some ideas about how Africa's governments can make their economies stronger, fairer, and more inclusive. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can hear more like this on www.soundcloud.com forward slash IMF dash podcast.